Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie Weissman, the editor in chief here at Modern Retail, as well as the host of this podcast. And this week, I'm really excited. We have Mark Rosen, the president of the Americas at Levi's, uh, Levi Strauss, how, however you want to call it. But um, I'm really excited to talk about all things, you know, Levi jeans, but also just how the business is evolving, because I know Levi's has been focusing a lot on its DTC channels and some interesting other stuff. And we're going to get all into that. But hey, Mark, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Great. Well, why don't you give a little bit of a rundown of your history at Levi's? Sure. So I've been at, I've been at Levi's for about seven years, and I came to the company to really um, to accelerate our growth in e-commerce and to build out the e-commerce business. And um, so work to, to set up the capabilities to, to drive e-commerce and um, really then build our direct-to-consumer business. And that's been a key part of our strategy has been growing direct-to-consumer and really building those tighter consumer relationships. As we built out the, the digital and the e-commerce capabilities, really, as you look at the way that consumers shop, and, and it was obvious then, it's even more obvious today as you know, we've gone through the pandemic and all of those things, that the consumer doesn't look at channels, they don't look at e-commerce or buying online versus buying in store. They want a seamless shopping experience. So um, after a a few years of building those base e-commerce capabilities, I took over our direct-to-consumer business, which is all of our owned and operated um, Levi's branded stores around the world, in addition to our our, our e-commerce business. And we built out a lot of the omni-channel shopping capabilities to really give the consumer that seamless end-to-end shopping experience. And uh, after doing that for a couple of years, about a year ago, just right in time for uh, COVID, <laughs> um, right before COVID, I took over this role as head of our America's business. And our America's business um, includes all of our wholesale business, as well as our um, owned and operated and direct to consumer business. And then just a few months ago, I, I added to that um, leading our digital enterprise office. So we are embarking um, down a journey that we've been on for a number of years, really starting with that direct-to-consumer and e-commerce experience of really transforming the company into a truly digital enterprise. And so um, really bringing together all of our efforts to transform the end-to-end uh, business digitally. Got it. Wow. Every role you have sort of ups the digital ante, I guess you could say, in terms of in terms of what you're doing. Like like the world we live in, right? I think every day <laughs> we live and, you know, every new and every uh, every youthful consumer, right, ups the expectation for what they expect a digital experience to be and, you know, what a digital business needs to be. So I think similar to that, we've been aggressively um, going after building those capabilities. Let's think back seven years ago when you joined and you were, you know, digitizing the company, focusing on direct sales. What were sort of your what were your big pillars of things that you needed to accomplish back then? DTC wasn't the same buzzword that it is now or correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it has a much different meaning specifically in the cultural ether than it did uh, does now. And so what were you what were you prized with doing? Yeah, it's interesting. If you think back to, um, it is almost exactly seven years ago when I joined in in April of 2014. And really the charge was to stand up that owned and and operated e-commerce capability. And that was really across the board. So it meant, first of all, um, building out out the digital um, marketing capabilities 
and the um, performance marketing and demand gen capabilities that you need to have to run an e-commerce business and to connect with consumers. It meant getting the assortment right online and really understanding that our online assortment, we call online our flagship door, right? It has to be the fullest expression of the brand. And when consumers come there, they expect that fullest assortment. So getting that assortment in place, building out um, with our partners fulfillment capabilities so that we could meet consumers' expectations in terms of how and how quickly and and um, the way that they wanted to receive product from us and 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 all the way through to, to the customer service capabilities. So it was really building those end-to-end capabilities so that we could have that direct relationship with the consumer. Because as we looked forward into the future, we know that um, that direct relationship is, is critically important for brands. And I think one of the the great things about being at Levi's is, um, you know, consumers know and love the brand and they're willing to have that direct relationship. And so my goal was to let them take advantage of it and have an amazing experience with the brand when they did. Would you say the overall e-com digital strategy has changed today compared to then? Or is it more or has it just been has just the sort of conceptualization changed or even just the the ratio of e-com to wholesale like what what in all of that has changed today compared to what you were thinking about nearly a decade ago it's interesting right i think almost everything has changed right so that was getting some of the the basic building blocks in place since then i think you know if i go to where i started the answer to that last question in terms of building out some of those marketing capabilities and things like that the expectation and the need to have and provide consumers a much more personalized experience has become really, really important. And so we also, you know, once we got going with those basic building blocks, we invested a lot in really understanding our consumers better in building personalization capabilities, in building and starting up a loyalty program. Um, And now we just crossed, I think, 5 million members in, in the loyalty program. So we built up that loyalty program. You know, early on, to some extent, it was about building at first a desktop experience, then it became a mobile experience, and now it's an app experience. Um, and now in a lot of cases, it's buying over social. So I think the way that consumers shopped and how they wanted to buy was also very different. And then the other thing, which I mentioned a little bit before, is the integration with the store and really having that fully, fully integrated experience um, across and being able to go on the app, look at a product, maybe have an interaction with a stylist in a store through video chat to see what that looks like, arranging to buy online and pick that up in store, and then going in and being able to do that and then having a seamless, easy return if it doesn't work out. Um, so I think that whole, the demand for that experience um, has has also changed. When the pandemic first hit, how did how did you respond? You had just t- taken a new job. Uh, you were also you just said you said earlier were uh, in charge of the wholesale relationship. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that added a whole new dimension of uh, of I don't know if I want to say hysteria, but like chaos to to the mix. And so what what were you thinking about? What were you doing? And how did you overall respond? Yeah, I'll, I'll call it um, I'll call it learning. Right? Well, so, uh, <laughs> not chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, when I came into the wholesale world, the wholesale world, to some extent, for um, for me, was new. Although I'd been on the other side of it because I had worked in in retail before I joined um, at Levi, so I'd been on the other side of that relationship. But it was really a learning experience about building that relationship. And I think um, you know one of the things that taking on that that kind of broader scope had me look at is how do we really increase our reach and, and interact with consumers because. 
when the pandemic did hit, right, one of the first things you saw immediately after was the closing of, of physical stores, right? And so in our wholesale business, in addition to brick and mortar um, partners that we have, we also, you know, have, we have online and we call it wholesale.com. And so we work both with our department store and other partners who would have a .com of their own. And we also work with um, pure play players, right? And so one of the things that we saw is, um, you know, obviously it goes without saying, you need to be where consumers are shopping and consumers so quickly moved into digital and really the digital penetration went up uh, massively. And that was in our owned and operated, but also in our wholesale.com and our pure play. So it really was about understanding how the consumer was going to shop and making sure that we were there for them with the right product and the right inventory and that we could serve them. And then I think in our in our owned and operated business, it was how did we use the, the, the tools and the things that we had put together to really provide the consumer the experience that we could and wanted to during the pandemic? And I mentioned before kind of the video chat experience with a stylist. That was one thing that we had tried and tested before the pandemic. But once the pandemic came and we had our stores closed and we wanted to really find and our and our store managers wanted to be you know, productively driving the business too, we said, what if we turn that back on? You know, that didn't work pre-pandemic, but shopping patterns have changed. And so if we turn that back on and give consumers the, the chance to interact with the stylist in store and then to have product shipped to them, what's that going to look like? Because we're going to utilize the talent that we have in the store. And we're also going to give the consumer what they want, which is a great outfitting experience with one of our best stylists. And so it's things like that that came along. And then I think just accelerating the deployment of some of those omni-channel capabilities so we could use our stores. We were just in the midst of um, building buy online pickup in store when the pandemic hit. And, you know, like everyone else, that was a critical thing to keep us going during the pandemic. And so I think what it taught us a lot was just about how to be more agile about developing capabilities, because in the traditional sense, we probably would have built that all out and waited till it was perfect to roll it out. But in a pandemic, you don't have that luxury. So instead, we said, how can we get to curbside pickup instantly? And we had part of buy online pickup and store launch, but it wasn't perfect. And we said, let's roll it out, not perfect yet, and get it started with curbside pickup. And then we, we just basically kept iterating on that and improving it until we got all the way a few months later to a full buy online pickup in store experience. But I think it forced us to be a lot faster and a lot more agile in the capabilities that we were rolling out. Um, there's so many things I want to ask. But first, just off that last point, do you like in, in your future decision making, given that you you had to make these decisions quickly and then iterate on them? Do you is that how you're going to be doing product rollouts for the time being just sort of quick and dirty, do it and figure it out after or as things, you know, things are sort of going back to normal, they hopefully will be in the next six to nine months. So, you know, who knows, will will you then be a little bit more conservative in the way that you you do new products and or not new products, but new programs? Yeah, I think some of it depends on the nature of the program, right? I mean, I think there are certain things that, um, you know, you you need to to wait and, and you need to have it fully built out. And then you need to make sure that that it rolls out only at that point. I think there are a lot of other things and really the majority of things. I think that first bucket is probably only 10%. I think pre-pandemic, we probably falsely convinced ourselves that that was the majority of the things. But the reality is it isn't. And we can be a lot faster. And so I think the majority of things are things that we can, um, you know, really try with a hack, roll out to a small number of consumers, 
learn, test, adjust, and be very agile about continuing to add features and functions and get it out more quickly to consumers. I think, A, um, we've gained the confidence to do that. I think our teams have changed their ways of working and um, adapted to that. And I think that consumers expect it. And so um, I think that is one of the goods that comes out of it. I do think as a business, you constantly have to watch that because you, you, it's, it's easier. You need to be agile in the, in the heat of the pandemic. However, when it comes back to whatever the new normal times are, right, it, it, it becomes easy to shift back into those old habits. And that was, that's one of the things that we've been pushing on is, is asking ourselves, well, what would we have done during the pandemic? Would we have done this or would we have done something faster and, and, and more agile? You mentioned, you know, figuring out getting the right products in front of the right people. I'd be interested just to hear during the pandemic about product development. So what, you know, what new lines did you launch? You've, you've your focus on DTC. So you're sitting on, you know, 5 million loyal customers who are providing you with data. Did that help you change quickly with what you were making for customers and what they were buying? Sort of walk me through all that. Yeah, it, it did change. And I think we learned a lot about consumers. Unfortunately, we put in place some of those things to really understand and some of the analytics and AI capabilities to really understand um, consumer data and consumer trend better and to feed that back into our design capability, which is a big part of our digital transformation, is really saying, how do we take fast feedback from the consumer, feedback back into the designer and really become a lot faster about the way that we're incorporating that and um, and designing products. So to give you an example, um, during the pandemic, I think the, the best example is probably our Red Tab Sweats program. So um, I think everybody learned during the pandemic, right, a couple of things. First of all, people were more focused on tops. So the top portion of our business became a much bigger part of the business just because um, that was the part that could be seen over the Zoom that you were on. And consumers also became more focused on comfort. And I think that's manifest itself a number of ways. First of all, in denim, it's manifest itself in looser fits that we're seeing emerge post-pandemic. But during, it also emerged in other things like sweats and things like that. And we're you know, also very focused on, um, on youth and the Gen Z consumer. And, and that was always popular with that consumer. But during the pandemic, we rolled out a new something that we call our Red Tab um, Sweats program. And we were able to do that online. We launched first on our e-commerce site and we launched it in a wide range of different colors and also um, in different styles, um, hooded top, crew neck top, et cetera. And we were really curious about what, would, what was that going to look like? Which colors were going to work? Which wouldn't? Which tops would work? Which wouldn't? What was the ratio going to be of bottoms to tops? Because all of those things inform how we then go and produce and how we assort our stores and, and what we work when we work with our wholesale partners and sell that product into them, how we help them make better buy decisions. And I, it, that, that information really helps us throughout the whole process. I mean, if you think up front in terms of demand planning, it lets us be much more accurate about what we produce, which then down the line lets us both reduce markdowns and so be more profitable, but also reduce waste. And we're really focused on sustainability. So it also helps us reduce waste throughout the whole supply chain. So we learned a ton from launching on e-commerce first, and now we've refined that assortment and really used that data to be much more informed when we go to market. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Please stay with us. How quick is the feedback loop for that? So, you know, let's say you have an idea, you talk to your designers. How soon from there do you go to e-com? And then from how, 
how soon from e-com then do you go to wholesalers? Yeah, some of it some of it varies based on the um, you know, the complexity of the product and the fabric and and where it's being sourced and things like that. I think for that example, it was um probably a matter of a couple of months between the concept of the product until we put it on e-commerce. We put it on e-commerce and it actually sold out so quickly that we got a lot of data and really fast feedback from the consumer. That was a matter of weeks. And then our demand planning team goes out and uses that data to inform what we're going to buy for the future, which will show up again in probably a matter of a couple of months in our stores. But immediately after we get that data, our sales team is using it with our wholesale partners to um, basically inform how we suggest to them what they would buy and what they would put on their floor and what's going to work with their consumer. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in that just in terms of the overall data aspect. So, you know, if you know that this is going to resonate really well with Gen Z, sort of is the planning out there, well, we're going to talk with these wholesalers that that have these general consumers and we're not going to talk to this department store, sort of how, how do you like how, how do you analyze all that data to make those correct decisions? Yeah, we would use the data to say which consumers is this is this working with and that then would target both, you know, maybe where and in which, you know, which area of the store we would put it to. In a lot of times it would it would inform also how we would market. So what would we do and what kind of partnership would we use? We've done a lot with um, partnerships across social media and things like that, um, things like TikTok and Snapchat and things like that. So in your example, right, um, if, if, if that we thought was really going to be something that was useful and was going to work with um, Gen Z, we would focus much more on a social campaign that would probably launch on, you know, Snapchat or, or TikTok or something like that with influencers that is going to be appropriate for that consumer to let them know it's out there. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because I really want to talk about TikTok with you. So I know that you guys have done some interesting uh, campaigns with TikTok and you've been dabbling in it. Just walk me through your overall strategy with the app right now. And I know that they're sort of boosting out their shoppable capabilities. Are you guys testing that out? How are you finding it to work? Yep. So um, back in April of, of last year, so almost a year ago in April of 2020, we um, launched an integration with TikTok and we were one of their first partners that was in their Shop Now program, which gives the consumers the option to purchase items that they love, that they see on TikTok. And so um, we were in that launch. We've been using it going forward. We've seen really good success with the um, you know, younger and Gen Z consumer in terms of reaching them and showing them new product. And really, um, you know, I think the great thing about TikTok is not only do they see the product, but they see how to wear it. They see it on people that look, they, they see it with influencers and people that they know and trust. And, and and then it turns into a purchase. And I do think in a lot of ways that that is the way that, you know, the youth are going to shop. Are you seeing more people take to TikTok to shop? Um, are you seeing like an acceleration of that or more, I guess, users or Gen Z or whoever you want to talk about using the app feel comfortable actually clicking that button and buying your products? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like a lot of things. You're seeing an adoption curve, right? And so I think that that over time it will migrate to that, right? I don't think when the consumer first came into that, they didn't have that expectation. Now it's available. And as they go through the adoption curve, I think you will see it more and more, just like um, they've learned to do it on, on other social platforms. You know, similarly, right, older consumer, but we've also done similar things on Instagram. And that also took a while, right, for the consumer to become comfortable and learn that that was someplace they could shop, right? They'd be scrolling through, seeing the people they like, their influencers, their friends, and then they could click right on the product and purchase. What are you finding works best on TikTok? Or is it just sort of a product by product, you know, figuring out as it goes along? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it depends a little bit on on the product, but I think what works best is um, is frankly being real and being genuine. And I think that's one of the things is we are, um, you know, we're a very democratic brand, and I think having having real people show the real look and the real view of the product and how they're wearing it and how they're si- and, and 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 that genuine nature of it works really well with the young consumer. That is what they want to see, right? They want to see real people and how they wear it. You mentioned Snapchat and Snapchat's made a bunch of acquisitions or moves of late, specifically in the AR realm. And it seems like they're really going for being sort of an apparel discovery-based platform. And so they have a, a bunch of integrations where you can see someone trying on clothes and doing that kind of thing. Are you noticing, are you seeing that move with Snapchat where it's becoming much more of a product discovery or at least Snapchat's trying to become more product discovery oriented platform? Or how are you approaching it as, as the lead of a brand? Yeah, so um, we do, we have a partnership with Snapchat and we launched um, uh, basically a Levi's Bitmoji collection. So hopefully when we're done here, you will go out onto Snapchat and you will create your own Levi's Bitmoji. I know I have I have mine, but I think with um, with consumers, what we've seen on Snapchat is you know, we've done, in a number of different collaborations we've done, we've had an opportunity where in store they can, um, you know, click on something and snap it and then use the Snapchat lens to create their own image and start to share product around. And that's how we've seen kind of Snapchat evolve. It, that's really where we are with them right now. Talk to me about the store strategy. So stores are, are, are is every store op- reopened right now? Yeah, uh, right now, if we talk about in the U.S., yes, um, yes. Our, our stores are open in the U.S. So how has the overall store strategy changed? I know, you know, Omnichannel and integrating the digital business into the stores is a big part for you. So how does that manifest now in this almost post-pandemic life we're living in? Yeah, it's an interesting question, right? It's one that we actually talk about every single day as we continue to learn more from the consumer and as we see how um, consumer patterns have changed post, um, post-pandemic. But, you know, we, in terms of the store, I believe the store still plays a critical role, especially for product like ours. Because consumers want to come in, and I mentioned that video connection with the stylist. The reason they want that is because they want somebody to outfit for them, to show them how to put things together. In a product like ours, where fit is so critically important, they also want to try it on, and they want to have a great fitting room experience. So we rolled out um, about a little bit over a year ago um, our next-gen store strategy. And luckily, you know, a lot of the things in that strategy were consistent with the direction we think see things going with the pandemic. Um, in other words, the store is centered around experience. So we have a tailor shop at the center of the store because people want to see, create, touch, feel, and make their own product. We say our product is canvas for self-expression, right? So they want to work with a tailor and do something on a trucker jacket that's unique in terms of embroidery or pins and patches that makes it their very own. And that's something that you know, you can do that online, but the the tactile experience of that and the assistance of a tailor working with you to design is one of the unique things that you can get in a store. We've also in the store been um, really intentional about how we built out the fitting room experience. We call it the style lounge because we know that that's one of the most important things in the store is when the consumer comes in with our product they want to be able to try on, to be able to see it on them, to be able to have somebody help them and to feel really comfortable doing that. So we've invested a lot of space in that experience to make consumers comfortable because we know that that drives sales. The other thing that we've done is integrated all of the omni-channel capabilities 
when you come in the store. So one of the interesting things is, you know, being um, the denim leader, we have more fits and styles than anybody else in terms of denim. And and our new stores, to a large extent, are, are smaller, too, in terms of square footage. And so one of the things that we've been able to do through digital and AI is get much more strategic about how and where we deploy our inventory so that we can use our inventory much more effectively. So if you go into one of those next-gen stores, for example, in men's, they may only have five or six of the probably 30 different fits that we would have in men's. And if one of those isn't the one that you're looking for, what they would also have is what we would call um, a try-on um, uh, a try-on set, kind of expanded um, shelf. So if make it up the 514, which is one of our straight fits, wasn't in the store, but you wanted to buy a 514, they have a full size range in there. So you could have um, a pair in your size that you could try on. You could see what fit you. You couldn't buy and take away that pair, but using the omni-channel capabilities, you could then order any finish, any wash, now that you know what the right size is, which is really the critical important you know, question for a consumer buying is what's going to be the right size for me. So once you find that size through the try-on experience, then they use the digital capabilities to let you order online and have that fulfilled. And that lets us use um, our space and deploy our inventory much more productively. So you mentioned that all of the stores now have buy online, pick up in store. Have you, do you use your stores at all for all digital fulfillment or sort of how, how do you sort of integrate the online from the offline if, you, if you're trying to cut down on the inventory that's available in those stores? Right. So I think you're talking about you're alluding to ship from store, right? Yeah. Yes. So we do. We do um, have ship from store. That's one of the other things that fortunately we had rolled out before the pandemic, which was really, really important during the pandemic because we had all that inventory deployed out there at our stores during the pandemic, right? And then as consumers were ordering that, a lot of the seasonal merchandise, we wanted to clear through that and work through it. And having ship from store let us be a lot more more profitable and more productive because we were able then to fulfill those orders using that store merchandise and clear it out in season at a, at a higher price than we would have had to had we waited and mark that down. That's also one of the areas where um, digital and AI has really played in is we built a lot of algorithms to really help us optimize when a consumer places an order on the site, what is the most profitable place to fulfill that order from, um, which is critically important as you think about um, building the profitability of the business. Got it. What are you seeing in terms of, I guess, consumer behavior shifts in terms of the store? As as these stores have reopened, are you are are they going back as much as they were before? Are you going to be opening in different locations because people are seeking out less urban, more suburban places? Sort of how what are you, what has changed in terms of how people are interfacing with your stores? Yeah, I think people are still like I said. I think they will continue to come into the stores. I think they will come in for specific purposes, and so we're seeing people probably be, I'll call it much more intentional when they come into a store, which is a little bit natural. And I think we'll watch that as the pandemic continues to evolve. Um, You know, at the early stages, you're not doing as much just walking around the mall and browsing as you used to. You're very intentional when you come in. And so I think having the right things, having the stylist there, having that try and experience, having things like simple returns, if that's what they're coming in to do, and making that an easy experience for them is really important. So we're seeing a lot more um, kind of intentionality as consumers come in. I think the other thing that we are seeing in terms of locations and things like that is um, you will see us as we go forward, open that next gen format that I talked about in a lot more 
open air and lifestyle malls, because I think not only that's a trend that was happening anyways, pre-pandemic, but the pandemic has accelerated the fact that, you know, in a lot of ways, I think right now people would prefer to be outside in an open air environment versus indoors. And so a lot of those, um, both walking street locations and um, outdoor lifestyle malls are, 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 you know, a lot of the locations will, where we'll be opening new doors. Well, that leads perfectly to my last question because we're almost out of time. But so what are, for the next six months to a year, what are your major priorities in terms of, you know, launches or services? You mentioned more open air, sort of walk-in stores like that that aren't necessarily closed off malls. What else are you thinking about and what are you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, so we have a number, like I said, of our next-gen stores that we'll be opening. And so really optimizing that. We're continuing to add new features and functionalities in both our app and our loyalty program. And so really driving the digital growth there and increasing and deepening that relationship with the consumers and driving increased personalization is, is, is very high on our list. And then, you know, at the center is the digital transformation that I talked about at um, the beginning of our, com- our, our conversation. And a big part of our focus right now in that digital transformation is on that go-to-market process. So um, we talked about it with the Red Tab Sweats, but how do we take that consumer information and build that consumer feedback loop back to design and really accelerate and transform our go-to-market process so that we're faster and able to um, more integrate consumer data into our decision-making and react real-time to what's going on in the marketplace. Well, Mark, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and send this podcast over to a friend who you know would enjoy it. See you next week.